here even in finance, you're so used to not seeing yourself in anything. And all of a sudden, everything you see is so you, so your family, so the way you grew up, even if it's one image, one image could be very, very powerful. And I think that's been the success of Suma so far. I mean, we've only officially launched three months ago. Hola, I'm your host, Leanne Olfaro, and this is Moneda Moves, where we discuss Latinos, our relationship with money, and role in the American economy. Today, we meet Latina entrepreneur Beatriz Acevedo. You may know her as co-founder of Mitu, the digital media brand for young Latinos, or LA Collab, an initiative aimed at doubling Latino representation in Hollywood. But her latest co-founded startup is set on closing the Latino wealth gap. Suma Wealth is making financial education accessible and relatable via in-culture content and fintech tools. Just last October, Suma raised more than $1 million in a pre-seed investment round by Chingona Ventures. We speak with Acevedo about the vision for the Latino platform and why launching now is critical. On that note, this episode of Moneda Moves is done in partnership with our friends at the Mujerista, the digital media publication and network dedicated to empowering and celebrating the next generation of Latinas making an impact on la cultura. We couldn't think of a more fitting brand to help amplify the message of jefas in our community, so go check them out across platforms at the Mujerista. And now, on to our interview with Beatriz of Suma Wealth. Beatriz, thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you so much for having me. Now, you're an entrepreneur who has co-founded several companies that we're familiar with from Mitu to LA Collab. What prompted you at this time to start Suma Wealth? In the middle of an economic downturn and a pandemic, we have seen how our communities have been the most affected um, this go around and before with our other economic crisis. So I think it's time that aside of being that great stat for a lot of people that we are the demo that buys the most, uh, we also become the stat of the demo that starts saving the most, investing the most, which unfortunately we are not today. So I think there was no better time um, than particularly now. Obviously, launching a startup, raising capital is never easy. Um, certainly a challenge in the middle of, of a pandemic and an economic downturn and having to do everything via Zoom. But I think the mission was still strong enough um, that investors could see that this was something incredibly needed and it's been needed for decades in our community. So excited to, to be building it now. Yeah. And I mean, as you said, it's a definitely an interesting time to start building a company, given that we're all plugged in digitally. But in a way, uh, I can think of very few other people who are suited to start something very digitally. You being plugged in with your digital native audience, knowing the kind of content that they respond to. So what kind of demographic would you say that you're appealing to through your platform? Well, I'm very focused on a demo that I know well, which was, and it continues to be the, the Me Too audience, which is youth. And, and even before Me Too, that was the demo that I used to produce for in my previous life as a TV producer. Um, you know, I think that, well, as you know, just from the numbers, that is a majority uh, of US Latinos in our country. That massive growth is coming from, from kids who are American, but from 
parents that come from Latin America or grandparents that come from Latin America. Um, and that is the majority now that bilingual, bicultural, 200% generation that we used to call it. Um, and so that is our demo for, for several reasons. There's a lot of intentionality behind picking this demo, not just because, oh, we, we like youth or we know how to do a funny meme for youth, not at all. As you know, and I, I don't know if you are also a product of this, but there's always a chosen one in a family to sort of like be that Sherpa to translate literally and figuratively the uh, American ethos to our families, right? Mm -hmm. Like from helping them buy a first car or negotiate a lease or inform, or inform products and, and services to our families. There's always somebody that helps you navigate that. And that tends to be a younger member of the family that is bilingual and that understands both and, and serves us as that, that Sherpa for the family. So we wanted to connect with that highly influential member of the family that tend to be the millennials, maybe some now the older Gen Zs, um, who for two reasons. We know that they can also be highly influential with their older family members, but also as they become parents or tios and tias at least, um, they'll be able to also inform the younger generations on why it's important to start saving, investing, getting a hold of your economic power to budget, all the things that might not have been front and center when we were growing up. It is very, very important that we now start to have those conversations. So that's why we picked this demo. It does not mean that um, if you have an older family member that's only Spanish dumb, there won't find an they won't find options um, on our site. We just launched our Spanish uh, version of our site with our tools. We'll be doing that constantly. We have a Spanish feed as well with our articles and our Instagram. So should you choose to go that, that route, we'll have it available. But we're very focused on younger. Um, English Dom, digital native, um, and we are counting on them to bring the rest of their family members along. I like that you have the option for Spanish speakers, despite the fact that you target English first. And because you prompted me by asking, you know, I don't know if you were the Sherpa of your family to answer your question. <laughs> yes, 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 I am the person that's kind of helping my family navigate through finances, student loans, being the first of my family to have done it. So I can completely resonate with that. I am curious now then to know a little bit more about you and your relationship with money and what kind of brought you here. Why, why this is your next venture? We know we have many needs in the middle of a pandemic. Yes, of course. Well, listen, this was not my idea. So I definitely have to um, give credit where credit is due. So my co-founder, Javier Gutierrez, who's also a very proud Latino and somebody that has a high pedigree when it comes to finance, he's had this idea sort of brewing in his mind for a good decade or so. He just thought, um, if I could find a partner that does not come from finance, interestingly enough, um, that has more of a marketing brain, knows how to build brands, community scale, uh, because in his mind, he thought that's a different approach on how you build a fintech company, uh, really doing hard social listening to your community and learning from them before you commit to building all these products and services that might not be the ones that they're interested in. And as you know, in fintech, it tends to be the other way around. If we build it, they will come. And we've learned from the data and even from conversations I've had with colleague CEOs of really big fintech companies, our community is not flocking to them. It's very expensive to them for them to acquire a young Latino kid 
to download their apps to fund their accounts. And I think that it's because of the lack of, of trust that we have from generations and in financial institutions. And we'll get to that later because your question was much more of why this company. Mm -hmm. So I do credit my friend and co-founder Javier Gutierrez when I wanted to do something different after, after Me Too got sold. Um, you know, I was thinking of raising a fund and supporting Latina-led companies as I've been very active um, as a mentor for many of them. And I, and I help them in, as part of that mentorship, I help them secure capital. And um, so I thought I want to be able to write my own checks as well. So I pitched them this idea. He was a part of a big private equity fund. And he thought my idea was terrible. He was like, no, there's so many people doing this. It's not for you. You need a new, a new startup and it has to be finance driven and you're going to help so many more people this way. Um, and very few people could do it, but you. So that was pre-pandemic. And I was like, I don't know. I'm not sure that I really want to do that. Then fast forward to the pandemic and start reading all these articles of how our communities are the most hit, women leaving the workforce, Latina, mm. you know, there's so mm. much stress and people really not even knowing what furlough is. How do you apply for a PVP loan? So many things, so many questions that I just, it just felt like those moments when everything is aligned, like the universe is just telling you, this is it, this is what you should be doing. And it was one of those moments that I thought, okay, I'm going to launch as a beta like literally an Instagram page and we'll see because we had a theory that if we did content in culture in a very uh, easy to understand, non-intimidating way, maybe people would gravitate toward. And after just a couple of months when we started to see the engagement rate that was a 10 a 20 times higher than any FinTech in our space, um, we were incredibly encouraged that that our audience definitely wanted and had the hunger for this type of information done in culture, like I always say, not in language, but in culture. So it could be in both languages, but always needs to be in culture. So that's what prompted me to say, okay, I have one last startup in me and definitely it's Zuma. And I feel incredibly blessed, incredibly lucky, certainly incredibly privileged um, that I was able to close my round again, via Zoom in the middle of a, pan a pandemic and an economic downturn a week before the presidential election. Um, all the things that you could have thought, oh, like that's just gonna add more into, into making it harder and harder to fundraise. Um, I'm lucky that it was a fast round and oversubscribed round. So even there, it was again, right? Like the universe and the signs were all there to say, you know, this is where I should be focusing my efforts. And I'm, and I'm, and I feel, like I said, very blessed to have the opportunity to build a company where I can clearly see the two things that are most important for me. Obviously, as an entrepreneur, you always want to build a company that does well. Um, and you have a responsibility with your investors. For me, it's 10 times the responsibility as all my investors, except for one that came in last minute, are women. Uh, and the majority are women of color, primarily Latinas. There's already so few Latinas in venture. I think I have them all in my cap table. So when we say building wealth juntos as a company for SUMA, that includes you know, the women in my cap table. So big responsibility mm -hmm. for me there. But also to have the opportunity to build a company where I can clearly see how in one generation, we literally can change the narrative. We really can help close this wealth gap in our community. Because if these young millennials or older Gen Zs really 
uh, it stops there, um, this sort of like cycle that we have in our communities of just not thinking of the future, not thinking on how we prep for retirement, nothing. We think mm -hmm. about it for our families, but we do it in a way that it's not that well thought out or organized when it comes to our investment. We think, like, well, listen, I'm going to take care of my family members, and then my kids will take care of me. And then sort of that, that circle never ends. And it is great to have an opportunity to help your family always, but if you already know you are the chosen one to do that, then what better way than start early? You start investing and saving and planning for you and for them, but hopefully your kids will see that now it's on them to do the same for them and teach their own children. So there is where we can start in one generation, building that generational wealth that usually we don't have an opportunity to do because we're always sort of catch up in helping support our family members that rightfully so they deserve it. They've done so much for us for, to put us through college, to give us all the opportunities that they didn't have. Right. So of course, it's not like we see it as a burden, but we should be smart on how we are planning for our future and for um, their older um, days um, that they have ahead as well. No, absolutely. I like how you, you speak to the fact that not all Latinos, they didn't just get here necessarily. You know, we're not talking about first gen necessarily, although, I mean, that is the case for me. I am first gen and I think that that's certainly uh, a crowd that needs to be addressed, but there is a cycle that you said, like you said, that needs to be, that needs to be interrupted with, with some education, with speaking to people in their, in their culture language, as you said. Um, and and I think it's good that you bring up the timing of, of the timing that we are right now, a timing where it is critical for Latinos to begin to sort through their personal finances and begin investing, but just first, first and foremost, understand their finances, right? Uh, before 2020, Latinos were, we, we were reaching record highs across the board, record highs of enrollment in college, record highs of women entering the workforce, um, and Launching business creation. companies business and anybody creation, yeah. So... So what does a year like 2020 mean? Uh, how does this impact our ability to build wealth and how is SUMA approaching this challenge? Well, I, I have not seen, I mean, we've seen the data of 2020, right? The numbers are bad for, for mostly everyone, except for people who were doing incredibly well already. They're now doing better, a shocker. Um, but it's critical that we address this. I mean, we can't only be represented in numbers is, is something that kills me, right? until we have control over economic power, we really don't have power in this country. It's just the reality. And I think that, you know, in our Latino households, particularly when you're a woman, and, and I'm sure you relate to this, talking about money, talking about being super successful, it's almost like a shameful thing, right? Like I remember um, when it's I was going to get married. It's a taboo. People don't yeah, lean into it's it. It's a taboo. But if you... You know, and if you do well, it's your responsibility to carry on the people who don't, right? Usually the men in the family, which is really interesting, right? It's like, okay, well, then fulanito who's not doing, you could maybe help them or give them a loan, which will never be paid back or so-and-so you can help them give this. So you, and you're like, oh, wow, like there's no acknowledgement. Like this has been hard work for you and this is what you've built. Then it's all, all of a sudden like perfect then that means you need to start giving it away to the family member that doesn't do as well as, as you do. And if you are a woman, that's even worse. I, I mean, it's, I remember uh, my dad and I had an incredible relationship. I talk about him all the time. 
And there was only one moment that I remember as a mini incident, and it was when I was going to get married. And I remember I wanted to change a few, my parents owned uh, a beach house and we were going to have the wedding there. And my husband's not a Latino. So all this family was coming from Boston and from Montreal. And this is in Mexico, in Baja. And, you know, I just wanted, I'm like, I want to change the floor of the room where we were going to get married because the rug had, you know, was already super worn out or I wanted to do this or I want to upgrade my flowers. He was incredibly offended, right? Like he just thought like, I can't believe, like, it was almost like so offensive that I could do it, that I could afford it. It was like, mm -hmm. who was I? A nueva rica, right? Like his expression. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, incredibly hurt by that. So instead of thinking, wow, my daughter who's been working since she's eight years old every single day has had so many side hustles. I'm proud that, you know, she can write a check and redo these floors and do that. It was incredibly offensive, right? That you're a woman and the fact that- Yeah, I mean, it's, it's some of that uh, machismo bleeding in, no? Absolutely machismo because, you know, you're calladita te ves más bonita. And this, this further exemplifies how you can't divorce culture from finances, right? You need to have, you you need to have both. And the thing is, by and large, Latinos don't trust financial institutions, but you have these financial institutions consistently divorcing finances from culture. And so all the time, no wonder it bounces the, off people all the time. And that's, that was our hypothesis, right? Because when we say in culture, you'll get this perfectly. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to put a Spanish word in a phrase. It doesn't mean that it needs to all be in Spanish. It, it needs to have an emotional connection to you. For example, one of our, a couple of our best performing posts, one has, it's an image that could be in culture, right? So we had a fabuloso image right mm -hmm. and we'd say like listen if only fabuloso could clean up your credit but since it can't here are five tips to clean it up fast so for us when you look at that you're like it's something so simple yet so powerful absolutely it mm. says i belong here who who is this who is this company you know they're like me they grew up like me they get that joke they get like there's so much there and and in a, in a country where we're so underrepresented, if you think about media, right? We consume 50, and that's when you were talking about La Collab or LA Collab, and that's a nonprofit, so it's different than a company. This is a for-profit company, but there we were baffled. We're 3% represented in media as Latinos. We've lost 50% representation in the past 10 years. Already it was disturbing at 6%, but we've gone down to 3% and we consume 50, 50% of the entertainment, if you include video games, right? So it's unbelievable that that happens. But imagine the young generations where they rarely see themselves in anything, in video games, in movies, in series, and all of us, or in, or in digital media. That's why for me, MeToo was so important when my own teenage kids, you know, would get these memes from their friends or would turn on Snapchat and see that there we were, they were represented, right? In a brand that was cool, that was powerful, that they, their friends loved. That was really exciting to me. So here, even in finance, you're so used to not seeing yourself in anything. And all of a sudden, everything you see is so you, so your family, so the way you grew up, even if it's one image, one image could be very, very powerful. And I think that's been the success of Suma so far. I mean, we've only officially launched three months ago. 
And on, on right now, we are almost 60% to our growth goal for end of the year of this wow. year. So we're certainly going to exceed that growth. And it's not because, oh my gosh, I'm such a smart CEO or such an insightful person, but we do under, we are the same demo that we're targeting. We get it. We grew up the same way. We didn't have these money conversations. We didn't start investing early. We didn't start our kids building our kids credit when they were children. Like I talked to some people, they're like, I started to build my son's credit at eight. I'm like, what? Like, how do you do, how do, you do that? that to this day? Now I know, but we want to get all this information out to our community. And to your question of like, why 2020? We should have started decades ago, right? Okay, it's never too late to, to start, but any decade, any time, pandemic or not pandemic, we need to get this info. And when, when our, com our community is amazing, as you know, the moment they start hearing this information, whether it's what's a fractional share, how do you budget, immediately, they what app do you recommend? Who, what brand should I trust? Can, should I fund this account here? They want to, they're hungry for the knowledge. They're hungry to learn, to know, to do better. So I'm excited and I'm honored to be building a brand. Now, there's, there's more brands that are tackling financial education, financial inclusion. And I, and what makes me very excited is that there's a lot of Latinas in this space, as, as you know, mm -hmm as financial coaches. Uh, so it's incredible because our community is so big. There's not enough of us to really fill the void that we have for, for so many years um, that it's exciting to see. So, and we're all trying to get together and see how collectively we can even make a bigger impact. Yeah, I like that you address that as well, because it, it is a community, right? It's a community of, of women who are coming at it from all different angles, uh, you know, and I think the personal finance educators really speak to that too. everyone coming with their experience, sharing their experience that holds power. Now, Beatriz, I also wanted to tap into some of your money experiences and money, money knowledge and just some practical tips to get started for our folks here that are listening. I think something that people are paying a lot of attention to this year is budgeting, especially given women leaving the workforce. What are your principles for budgeting? I think budgeting is one of those critical pillars of anything that you do with your finances. You know, it's it's like going to a doctor for a checkup and knowing where you stand, right? Like, how am I doing? In the same way, when, when, when you go to get checked, like, where are you with your debt? Where are you with your savings? Or are you with your investment? And then how are you going to prioritize how to budget based on that? There's definitely, like you said, there's not one size fits all ever because every single person, we have different needs, um, different types of debt, different goals, and your budget is going to be critical into helping you not just in the day to day of how much you are spending versus how much you make, but on your short, middle and long term goals. So to me, when people say what, what would you recommend as a number one thing to do and you have to get a budget under control and when you budget you'll know also right like, how much do you make, how much do you owe how much can you afford? How much should you save? And it's a very personal decision. We were talking earlier about our two most popular posts. The second one was one that had this Mexican sweet bread for the Mexicans listening, a, a concha, una concha. Mm -hmm. um, and then we had like how you divvy up the concha in your expenses. And it was very successful and also very controversial because we used a national average of what people say, you know, this percentage for rent, this percentage for saving. And some people are like, are you crazy? Like we're in New York. There's no way I could only use that for rent or mortgage. 
to your point, everybody is different. Um, but nowadays, it's so easy to budget. There's so many apps that for the most part are free for all the basic tools that you need to use. Um, I remember back in the day, my mom would always be with those like yellow pads writing like the budget because my dad would always be like, Beatriz, ¿dónde está el presupuesto? And then my <laughs> poor mom sweating at home, making the making the budget by hand. I used to do it in an Excel spreadsheet. I already thought like I was so ahead of my mom, right? Because it would add up for me like all my expenses and mm -hmm. I could track. Mm -hmm. But then now with so many apps out there and people can Google them, uh, you know, they have the apps for the best app for couples, the best app if you're budgeting with a family, the best app for, you know, if you're trying to pay your student debt. So do a little bit of research, check them out, try them out. Like I said, most of them are free unless you want the super sophisticated um, stuff. And sometimes it's worth it to pay the $5 to keep you on track. And But budgeting is is critical. It just keeps you... Like, like a checkup, like when you go to a checkup and you know, like, what are things that are a little bit out of range and how are you, we are going to be launching total plug here, but it'll be free. So it's not a, it's not a plug that involves money, but we are going to be launching a tool in April that's going to have a lot of things um, mm -hmm. in it, including like this financial checkup that I was talking to you about, and it has a budget there. So hopefully um people will find it useful we think it has everything it'll give you your net worth which means how much do you owe versus how much do you have and it'll help you with your short middle long-term goals it'll have your budgeting it'll tell you also how you're doing in comparison with other people like you so the same mm -hmm. as when you get your blood results like oh your cholesterol is high based on someone your age your gender etc right here the same you know, if you live in Los Angeles and are single and are in this range and work in this industry, how you compare? You're spending two hundred dollars more than the average on Target every week. You might want to consider <laughs> taking a closer look at, at yeah. what you're buying there. But it's useful, right? People who get that sort of comparison of like, oh, or you're maybe you should consider spending a hundred dollars less there and investing them because this is what will happen in the next five, 10, 15 years. So it'll help you plan for the future. Um, but I'm not plugging our SUMA only budgeting and other tools. There's plenty out there. Um, but obviously if people will like fun and in culture and we'll do plenty of seminars to walk you through even how to budget, that's gonna um, start rolling out in, in April. Well, that's good to know. And like you said, it's definitely a baseline and it's like a health checkup. So I, I do like the framing of that where people don't see it as much of a burden, as much as like, uh, here's yeah. a baseline, here's a baseline to, to get started. The, the, the te what tends to be the follow-up question here is if we're getting started with budgeting, how do we get started investing to build that wealth, right? So how do you suggest, what are some resources yeah. for people to get informed? I mean, we have plenty, but there's plenty out there too. Like again, uh, for and and there's preferences, right? So there's obviously today to start investing is much easier than 20 years ago, 15 years ago, where you had to be accredited investor, which meant you have to have at least a million dollars of a net worth, and you have to make you know certain amount of money to be able to be good. Now you can buy these fractional shares. You could do it from your phone. There's so much more we could do today than our parents or grandparents could ever dream of doing. But again, because we don't have that experience and we because we haven't been exposed to it, it's something so new. We just had a dinero session last week um, that was all about fractional shares. 
And we wanted to just let people know that that's available for them. This morning, I helped somebody who sometimes helps us in our household buy fractional shares of all these companies. She was like, Senora, me ayuda to open my account. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Because she heard the session and she was like, I want to do it. Like I want to invest my money. Was she exposed to this two weeks ago? No, but the, she's so proud, right? That she's such a big supporter of Netflix and Amazon and all these companies that she likes. And I'm like, listen, Anna, now you're an owner, you're a shareholder. And it just has that really empowering uh, feeling that you do that. And you can start small. You don't need to say put in the session, obviously people who are credited to give this advice would say, start small. Don't put all your eggs in one basket start with a little bit and start learning, start teaching your children. For the holidays, my mom was always asking me, what should I get your kids? What should I get my, your, your nephews? What should, and I was like, fractional shares. Mm. Instead of buying those gift cards. Different know, definition the, of, a, of a stocking gift, stuffer. Exactly. And that was it. You know, there's a company that has the gift cards of the stock, which is amazing which we had teamed up with who were the ones who led our session and it's still on our site. If anybody wants to watch it, it's absolutely free. And it was great, right? So consider not buying four gifts from Santa Claus. Maybe if your kid is very small and really expects a toy, get a toy. But then another one, get a fraction, right? They love Disney. They love whatever it is. Yeah, I, it was very cute. I just gave that as a present for a six-year-old and he told me he put it all on Tesla. <laughs> I thought that Incredible. was so fun because you think a kid is going to go more of a kid brand, but he was like, yeah, I was like, this is so adorable, <laughs> but you start teaching them young. And those are conversations I never had with my, with my family growing up, my husband on the contrary, who is not a Latino, you know, he would get stock for his birthday and it wasn't as easy as having stash or Robin hood or stockpile or any of these apps. I don't know, my, my father-in-law, you know, bought it for him. And to this day, we get like checks here in our house for like stock of like very iconic, legendary brands. Even if it's like, here's 80 more dollars. I just think that was unbelievable. But that was a great lesson that he learned at a very early age. And that I learned when I got married to him, right? When he was like, let's say for our kids um, college education, I was like, what? we have no kids. Have you lost your mind? And he was like, no, 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 but we got to start now. I'm like, what if we don't have any kids? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Well, then we pull the money out and we pay the taxes, but let's start saving now. And I thought he was out of his mind, to be honest. Now that my kids are two years from college, I'm like, thank God I married this man who had a very different upbringing than I did. But I'm learning as we go. It's, I don't have all the answers. I don't have, a, I take these you know, I'm interviewing other CEOs from fintech companies and I'm learning too. I'm bringing in my own family to learn. So I think it's something that we do as a community, but we are smart and we are fast learners. So I'm excited that the more that we get the word out on how to not, please do not put the money, you know, in the cafe Bustelo tin, do not put it under your mattress. I always talk about this. When my father passed away, we found so much money inside his jackets he always wore like a suit and mm -hmm. we were like what was he thinking like what was he doing this is a college educated man author of so many books big philanthropist with cash inside the and I don't know if he also put away money god knows where else but 
that distrust was there. And But I remember being a kid, when you say, where's your relationship with money? I remember vividly when that devaluation hit and my parents who thought had bank accounts in US dollars because we lived at the border in Tijuana and you pay everything in dollars, your rent, your food, everything. And it's like, there's no more dollars and your accounts are now pesos. And instead of six pesos to a dollar is 6,000 to it. So literally in seconds, it's like, you just lost it all. So I understand my mom when I say, listen, maybe you should invest here. You should do this. And she's like, yo no le confío este fulano. You know, I don't mm -hmm. trust this guy that, mm -hmm. you know, that I don't know who's not like me, doesn't look like me, doesn't speak like me. I don't know. And, and we come from that trauma, you know, that financial trauma. So I do think that that's the miss to a lot of financial institutions. That's a, that's a miss to a lot of the cool fintechs. You need to build the trust first in, with our community. Yep. You can't just start pushing the services and the products because it's, it's, it's not going to work or it's not going to work at scale, at the scale that they would want to right. for us to continue to be great consumers as we are in other areas. Right. No. And I think you bring up a very good point by bringing up history and bringing up that trauma that people carry with them and they kind of pass on to their families because you're right we we live in a system where latinos by and large do not trust the financial system for valid reasons for valid historic reasons some of which you just cited that ran within your within your own family um so talk to me about building in this landscape what are some of the ethical considerations that then suma has to take into account um beyond being you know latino led that you need to take into account when dealing with a latino audience that has this distrust for these institutions uh, so that is a great question. And that's something that I talk about all the time. When the, the top the top questions we would always get on our feeds uh, when I was at, at Me Too was, where have you been all my life? Or finally a brand that gets me. So that was at the heart of that, like I'm represented and thank you for existing and validating me, right? In Suma, it's very interesting. The two top questions that we get are very related who do you trust and who can we trust that is incredible power in a way but that is even a bigger responsibility right so whoever we team up with and it's very uh, attractive to team up with somebody who's going to give you a massive referral fee who's going to split whatever money they make out but we can't do that. Our company is, is based on trust. So every single partnership that we curate and that we validate and that we say, yes, you can trust so-and-so really needs to mean that, right? So from what, what are the interest rates of somebody giving a loan to our community? What are the products that they really need versus the one that they know? What are the hidden fees that are in the mm. very small print that we, we can't have a relationship with company. We just can't. We exist to build wealth together. That's your slogan, building wealth juntos. If I build a lot of wealth for myself, for my investors, for my colleagues that work with me at Suma, and I don't build the wealth for my community, my company, and I personally as a CEO and a co-founder, I failed. So I need to make sure. And that's, that's where we are. We're going to take our time, you know, vetting these relationships, vetting these partnerships to make sure that that is the right um, partner. That is the right provider for our community, because that's how we're basing our brand, right? Our brand is we want to become that trusted source for all things financial for our community. So we take that incredibly seriously. It has to be brands that are 
perfectly value and mission aligned to what SUMA stands for. I think that that's obviously very important given the community that you're working with. So this kind of funnels next into, into the next question I wanted to ask you, which is about the fintech landscape, which you kind of addressed already. You know that there's already Latinas and Latinos working in this area of fintech. How would you describe um, it evolving and your role that you will play with the other players in this field that are also Latino, that also have similar missions to your own? Yeah, so I think we all bring very different um, skill sets to, to the table. Uh, mine is not a financial background, and I never shy away from reminding people that. I am a very good community builder. I know how to build iconic pop culture brands. I know how to build communities. Um, I know how to build scale. And people with financial backgrounds, primarily, they're not marketers. So it's harder for them to, to know how to do what I know how to do. So even now, we are partnering with financial coaches, financial advisors, and we pay them to be our advisors on everything that we do. So right there, we're doing the Building Wealth Juntos immediately. People who are gonna be part of our Zoom Academy, giving these lectures and helping. And obviously, primarily Latinos is, is, our, is our goal. If there's a CEO of an incredible FinTech company and it's not a Latino, that's okay, we'll still take them. But my idea is that if I'm successful building this um, large community, then there's room, there's room for everybody, right? Because the, 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 the services that they provide, even if they are building products, my intention is not to replicate a product that's great already and has been built for our community. I do have the ambition of not only being a credit karma or a nerd wallet, and, and not, I don't say it not in a, in a despective way, I think they have incredibly lucrative businesses, but they're much more of a let, let us curate and refer you to the other people that have the products and services. And they made an incredible business out of that. Mm -hmm. I would want to be a bit of a hybrid between them and a betterment. I do, want, I do think that there's room to build products and services that haven't been built before based on very deep insights on why and how and why not we save or invest in certain ways, mm -hmm. uh, based in this collective mindset that I was talking about. So those that haven't been done, I'm working on and I, I want to build them and, and I, I want to own that, that part, but there's no one else who's doing it. The products and services that have been built by Latinos or non-Latinos that are great and again are mission aligned and, and, and are, are going to be great for our community, I want to partner with them and I want to be that engine that refers them and gives them a lot of traffic and potentially money. And again, we all build wealth juntos, our community, their fintech companies and mine. Um, so that's my intention, you know, to be able to be a big aggregator and do that, but also to have my own. And hopefully we can we can all help and, and support each other in this in this mission. And I've been reaching out to most of them, particularly the, the Latinos, and that's how I've discovered that there's more Latinas than Latinos in this space on, you know, what are the things that we are all good at and how we lean on each other um, to accelerate all of our growth. Yeah, no, it all, all coming back to the mission statement. So I do appreciate that in, in your messaging and your plans. Now, as we kind of round out the interview here, Beatriz, I wanted to end it on a little bit more of a personal note. When you think back to, you know, growing up with your family, perhaps uh, but in the, the Tijuana border um, and the way that they manage money and, and the money philosophies that you had growing up to today, what would you say are some of the biggest 
money learnings in terms of those transformations that you've experienced? I mean, I appreciate the learnings of my family money-wise. My, my father had a really interesting relationship with money. He came from absolutely nothing. And he had every side hustle possible uh, that you can imagine when he was putting himself through law school to pay for law school and, and to survive from cleaning the building where he lived. And that's that was sort of like the trade-off of him being able to live there for free to amateur boxing to writing speeches for the president. But he always had a very um, strange relationship with money. He felt incredibly guilty to have become very successful in his life after, after that, right? So he always wanted to give his money away. And he had this disdain for people who were wealthy, right? So he would, you know, that expression, or this, or he just really despise people with wealth. So obviously that stays in your mind. And so the way he solved for it was he started his own foundation, which now I, I run um, over 30 years ago. And he, to the day he died, he left absolutely the last cent to his foundation. And he was very active in supporting kids with scholarships. He was very active in uh, funding the cultural center, um, the symphony, so very much arts, culture, education uh, was his thing. So he felt like it was almost like no matter how legit the source of the money was of his hustle, it was almost dirty and he had to put it in a foundation so others could have it. He would always have this expression saying, estamos muy gordos, no necesitamos nada, right? Like we're, 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 we are, we have way more than we need. Mm. And, um, and so this has to all be to charity. And I think that's great, but obviously, you know, my brother and I didn't grow up with a dad who had that sort of like, okay, you have to save for, for your retirement or for when you're older, or you're going to invest to make more money. Anything you make is for you to give away. So that was sort of like, so I think that was incredible. And that certainly informs a big part of who I am and the philanthropic work that, that I do. But I couldn't tell you that I had a figure <laughs> Um, like my father-in-law was, for example, for my for my husband, who's also incredibly philanthropic, but also incredibly responsible on how they had to plan for their elder elderly age or for their own children. I've learned that with my non-Latino family. Um, so grateful for the learnings on the philanthropic side. Uh, definitely missing out on how do I become responsible and plan for my own future. But thankfully, I've I've learned that from my married life and. I think that now between my husband and I, we're able to do a good hybrid mix for our own high school children to hopefully pass that alone. It's incredibly important to be philanthropic and give as much as you have, but it's also important to be responsible um, with your own uh, money that you save for yourself and for your family. You know, they're, they're realities. <laughs> No, absolutely. I think that that's a very, a very sound kind of lesson to pass on. And, you know, it's, it's not that we don't want to be charitable, but it's like you said, responsible. It's not about not being charitable. It's about the responsibility. Yeah. Well, and you know, Latinos go so much into the nonprofit sector, right? Like it's always like, I want to give, I want to give. And it's amazing that we give, um, but you can give what you don't have. So I think to, to be a bit more in the middle, right? Give as much as you possibly can. That is incredible. And you, we always have more than others who have less than us. So absolutely. But also, and also I would have told my dad 
now if he was alive of like dad but if you invest if you make more wealth you can give more you away, can get right? more so, away. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. so maybe hack your brain in that way you always have the option to give it all away but um but do teach your children um the value of starting investing early and saving and that there's no shame in in building wealth for our families and for our communities and for our next generations i think that's the that's the mind trick that we all need to remind ourselves. I think that's a wonderful note to end on, Beatriz. And I'm really looking forward to what's coming up in April with your budgeting tools and certainly uh, what is on the journey for Suma Wealth. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.